Yeah. The key thing is, don't be inhaling, don't be ingesting. Stay inside, don't drink or eat anything. These are important questions. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Hmm. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think that the most important, the most compelling was 9-11 uh, was itself. Okay, uh, connected to Truth Jihad Radio, Kevin Barrett here. I think the Microsoft new version of Skype that they forcibly downloaded or uploaded onto my computer today uh, as part of their mandatory updates program has uh, destroyed my ability to use Skype, at least for the, for today. So here I am connecting by the phone, and I think I'm broadcasting live. Uh, is that right? Hello, is anybody on the line with me? Okay, uh, waiting for Mr. Rowe to join the line. You're going out. Yeah, all good. Okay, we're broadcasting. We're good. Okay, we'll do it by phone tonight. <laughs> Welcome to Truth Jihad Radio, where Bill Gates and the Microsoft uh, sabotaging of Skype has once again caused us technical difficulties, but I think we solved them. And here we are. Uh, I think we're going to get Jeremy roth Cushell, the first-hour guest, on by way of a telephone as well, going back to the old-fashioned system that actually works. Uh, here I am on a landline, and I love it. Uh, at least it's better than a Skype that doesn't work. So anyway, here we are broadcasting live on Truth Jihad Radio. Kevin Barrett tonight bringing on a couple of former False Flag Weekly News co-hosts with whom I don't always agree. In the second hour, Jim Fetzer will join us to discuss his Supreme Court appeal and the judgment or court case that happened today in Dane County Circuit Court with Lenny Posner trying to seize control of Jim's book, uh, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. So we'll find out what happened in the courtroom when Jim comes on in the second hour. First hour, Jeremy Roth recently let it be known that he doesn't like what he's seeing on False Flag Weekly News these days. And he thinks that your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Uh, something to do with that. Two, one. That, uh, I've been misled by traditionalism, which is a philosophy to which I've largely adhered or at least agreed with since I first encountered it in, let's see, what year would that have been? I think 1990, 1991, maybe. Uh, it, was, it was the year of the Loma Prieta earthquake in San Francisco anyway. So it's been a while. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into the philosophy and how that impacts on the issues that Jeremy disagrees with me on, uh, specifically the Ukraine war, the uh, January 6th so-called insurrection, and uh, what else? Well, we'll have to find out. Um, so, hey, Jeremy, are you on the line yet? I'm here. Can you hear me, Kevin? Hey, Jeremy. Yeah, we're but we're talking on the phone because I don't know about your Skype. Uh, you said you wanted to do the phone, but in my case, I tried Skype and it totally didn't work. The call went on and I had I couldn't hear anything, uh, so it was impossible to do it through Skype. Anyway, good to hear you on the phone, Jeremy. Oh, you too. So, so you're on the phone also? So I, yeah, I, I never. This is the first time I've done the show on the phone. I don't know if I ever did before. But uh, I noticed that apparently there was a mandatory forced uh, upload of the latest version of Skype that happened today uh, against my knowledge without my consent. And uh, coincidentally, uh, it seems that Skype doesn't work for me anymore. So 
The rumor is Bill Gates wants to get rid of Skype because it wasn't constructed with spying in mind. So there you go. Anyway, so Jeremy, I imagine uh, Microsoft probably still pushes the uh, pushes the automatic updates right out of Unit eighty two hundred. Similarly yeah. to where Eric Prince, Prince was hanging out in, in northern Israel uh, base when he was talking to Steve Bannon about his new privacy phone. Oh man, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> irony probably intended there. Sometimes they're almost letting us know what they're doing. Uh, so, Unit eighty two hundred, uh, come in, Unit eighty two hundred. We uh, we appreciate your uh, taking an interest in us. But anyway, back to Skype next week. Uh, so, Jeremy, let's get into uh, what you think has gone wrong with False Flag Weekly News, where admittedly we have a bunch of sort of populist, uh, politically traditionalist, mm-hmm. relatively sort of Trump-friendly and Democrat-unfriendly co-hosts, all of whom agree with me that Russia is fighting a de- defensive war against NATO in Ukraine. And so you think that's gotten seriously unbalanced and we're wrong on some of those issues. So why don't you go ahead and, and open with your uh, your general disagreements. Okay, and uh, the, I'd say, uh, yes, generally wrong on the big, the big issues. And I believe the populism is not real populism. It's very much the faux kind of populism that was weaponized under the so-called MAGA movement and the Trump operation that uh, we call the 11-9 operation. And I just want to make it clear that, and I told you this in our communications, that because I feel a lot of um, personal kismet with you, and we don't know each other very well, but we've hung out and we've known each other for a while um, intellectually, and I feel that kismet. And so I want to make sure that I balance that with what is my growing actual feeling of spiritual wrath at some level in relationship to what I feel, what I feel like you've gotten off the path of the the truth jihadi, along with a strong core political suspicion in relationship to what seems to be your um, arc of uh, increasing misinformation. And so I, I laid out three three basic areas that I thought we could go over, and uh, and I also just recently pointed out to you that. I haven't uh, caught up as much uh, on your your podcast, which when I listen to them, they seem a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more delving. Of course, it's more long form. False Flag Weekly News is a, uh, you know, 30 stories in an hour. Um, but I've I found that on False Flag Weekly News, especially over the last year, that these big issues, such as what Greg and I at the Antidote have titled the 11-9 operation as a reflection of the 9-11 operation as the day that Trump was announced the president as involving a much bigger arc of players than is traditionally thought of in terms of, quote-unquote, Trump-Russia, although the highest levels of the Kremlin have been proven to have been deeply involved in many forums of the uh, Trump uh, 11-9 operation that has cultivated this uh, basically hijacking of a growing populist moment in the United States as we saw the key uh, presidential candidates for the left were Bernie Sanders and then for the right was Donald Trump posing as a populist rather than a a Jeffrey Epstein, teenage girl raping 
a billionaire with a strong uh, background in relationship with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, Russian intelligence assets and mob mobsters. Um, and uh, and so then maybe we could start with that. I've noticed that that the the actual analysis of what actually happened, what's titled Trump Russia, which is not just Trump Russia, but that actually involves a whole Middle East component, including Netanyahu as a crucial player, um, but also all the way to the highest levels of uh, the Saudi government and Mohammed bin Salman and uh, the highest levels of the United Arab Emirates, uh, Mohammed bin Zayed, but also uh, elements of uh, Egypt. Um, and that that has been totally covered up, I think, uh, and actually disinformed uh, on false flag weekly news increasingly, especially over the final period of the, the Trump years and then now into the, the Biden years. And so then maybe that opens up into a question of uh, how approaching COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well first, uh, I mean, you, I'm sure you've noticed on false flag weekly news with the co-hosts who are more uh, Trump-friendly than I am, and none of them are really that Trump-friendly. I mean, they all uh, basically look askance on Trump, as I do. Uh, maybe, you know, I think I'm a lot more vehement. If you if you read my satire columns I wrote during Trump's presidency, I don't think there's anybody in the country that has been as vehemently nasty to Trump as I have, and then, of course, Gordon Duff uh, over at VT as well. But uh, what you described, I think, is is accurate. I, yeah, I agree that uh, Netanyahu, the Saudis, uh, to some extent Egypt, to some extent Russia, all were players who supported Trump's bid for the presidency. However, I disagree with you that all of those parties were anywhere near decisive. Uh, and I'd like to ask you in turn, uh, do you really think that Russia has influenced the U.S presidential election and in general influences U.S. internal politics to even 1% of the extent that the U.S. uh, influences Russian and other nations' internal politics, or at least did up until the purges associated with the Ukraine war? Definitely. I mean, and this is, I guess, what I'm speaking about, not just about being sort of quote-unquote anti-Trump or talking about the personal quote-unquote failings of Donald Trump and all of that, but the actual cover-up of what is actually a decades-long information warfare and a narrative warfare uh, escalation that's really drawn out very clearly in the writings of someone like Alexander Dugan, who represents both a symbol and an actual uh, contact and associate with the False Flag Weekly News network where he in the 90s he explicitly talked about not just influencing american elections per se and the russians were deeply involved in quote-unquote influencing it now obviously there is much more domestic uh, american components who are actually the ones who steal elections and the way that i've typified the conceptual framework for dealing with deep events like 9-11 and 11.9, and Greg and I at the Antidote did a series uh, on from 9.11 to 11.9 to show these similar narrative arcs and even similar players, is one, you have an intelligence operation, obviously, 9.11, we know that, that's the legend, that's the Al-Qaeda. Right. Overseen by Dick Cheney, by Dick, Dick Cheney, whose daughter Liz is leading the anti-Trump forces. 
Yeah, and, and actually on that point, I would actually think that part of what is being done by by not just you, but but I would say the, the whole slew of the current falsified weekly news uh, co-host contingent is actually there, you're playing a very similar role in relationship to 11-9 that Liz Cheney and her co-chair, Benny uh, Thompson, by the way, deep APAC background there. Also, if you go look at John Brisson from We've Read the Documents research into uh, uh, Abramoff's role in uh, cultivating um, Benny Thompson along with Tom DeLay um, in terms of uh, the, uh, Mar- uh, Mar- Mar- what's it called, the, Mar- the uh, Marin uh, Islands, they were the trenches, the deep trenches, and a whole bunch of dirty money going on there. But that what you're doing is very similar to what Liz Cheney is doing in terms of both one six and eleven nine, which is sort of pinning the day the tail on a singular sort of personal donkey to some extent in relationship to uh, in relationship to Donald Trump. But, but Jeremy, it's, what, it's not just what, it's not just Cheney. It's it's all virtually all of the neocons who were the main perps on nine eleven uh, and pushing for a new hundred years of American empire and so on are also pushing, you know, the anti-Trump narrative and the pro-Ukraine war narrative uh, that these are the narratives you support. So you're on the side of the 9-11 perps, aren't you? No, I'm not, because I'm I'm a neither nor when it comes to, example, the question of the unipolar uh, world order versus the multipolar world order that Dugan is probably the biggest public, quote-unquote, thinker uh, representing. And I'm also a neither nor when it comes to uh, either a total uh, disinformation approach to basically saying nothing really substantial happened in relationship to both 11-9 and January 6, rather than an actual attempted high-level, uh, you know, seditious uh, conspiracy, an attempt at uh, overthrowing an election. Um, and I'm not sure. Don't, don't, don't the, other side. the other side was just as unscrupulous in their methods in trying to rig the election the other way. For instance, the mainstream media's complete cover up of the Hunter Biden laptop story. You know, if that had been covered normally as a free press theoretically should, uh, Biden wouldn't have gotten elected dog catcher. Well, that 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 may be the case. And and the way that that was covered or covered up it is also being lied about to some extent. Because it is very possible that even if, and it looks like the case that the the actual contents of the Hunter Biden laptop uh, are uh, are valid, at least to some extent, because we know there's a background here of actually doing uh, hacks and dumps or uh, accessing data and then inserting other stuff into it. But let's just say everything is totally uh, on the up and up in terms of the Hunter Biden laptop. It is still very possible that it is a a propaganda operation very similar to the same thing that we saw in terms of the leaking of hillary clinton's emails during the 2016 election while the question of jeffrey epstein that condemned both the clinton and trump was basically almost totally covered up mainly for trump uh, in terms of the rising accusations by katie johnson very credible allegations in a lawsuit that was then uh, dismissed under apparent threat uh, in the run-up to the 2016 election. And basically, I'm the only person in the country that I'm aware of that has actually confronted the totality of that 
spectrum, including New York Times reporter, CNN reporter, the Clinton people, high-level Clinton people, high-level Trump people, that included someone like John McLaughlin, who is, comes out of the Arthur Finkelstein crew, which actually looks like they helped orchestrate um, the uh, rise of Trump. Arthur Finkelstein helped bring Netanyahu into power in 1996. He helped bring Orban into power. It looks like he set up camp in actually in Budapest in relationship to uh, setting up uh, the Danube uh, uh, consulting company in uh, England to then wash the uh, WikiLeaks emails uh, and all of that. And so th- th- that was, uh, you know, all a part of that operation there. And that was not covered. So I would agree. There's no way, Jeremy. I I covered that. I I was all, well, at VT. You uh, did, yes. In 2016, you covered that. Well, that's because that's when that was a breaking story. But at that time, Jeremy, I think the way you're remembering this is a little distorted because, as you may recall, uh, Trump brought in a bunch of women who'd been raped by Bill Clinton and sat them down in front of Hillary in the presidential debate, which is a challenge for both sides to bring out all this dirty laundry. Trump was the side who was actually forcing out the dirty laundry, and Hillary was on the side of covering it up. And I think overall that has been the pattern. In other words, I think you're focusing on simply one side of this. And yes, I think that you're describing accurately the forces that are supporting Trump, or some of them, but you're not you're missing the uh, equally corrupt forces supporting the Democrats. And I, my position is actually a relatively honorable plague on both your houses, whereas you sound like you're actually taking a partisan position in favor of these insanely corrupt Democrats. I'm not, though. I didn't I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton and and I do not support the Democrats. I do not. And so that's Good. why I'm actually Good. I believe that my position is the principal position because I'm a neither nor when it comes oh to either the full the full disinformation, but I don't actually think it is. I don't think that you and False Flag Weekly News are a neither nor because well, wait, wait a minute. in terms who, who of the narrative. president. When, when Trump's president, I'm going to be ripping on Trump, and when Biden's president, I'm going to be ripping on Biden. And the main, mainly, I'm going to be ripping on the mainstream media. And my my largely my job is as Ron Unz described in that article where he said that anybody who wants to get any of these issues out needs to focus on attacking the same enemy, the mainstream media. So I relentlessly hammer on the mainstream media and expose all of their lies and distortions, perhaps in a slightly exaggerated way sometimes. And uh, I also will uh, hammer on the current president. And that's what I did while Trump was in office, and that's what I'm doing now while Biden's in office. Okay, but but, uh, meanwhile... I hammer on both the mainstream media who covered up the uh, the the full spectrum, the bipartisan Epstein Maxwell uh, compromise operation, and uh, Greg and I focus on large portions of the so-called alternative media that, in some cases, even disinform even worse than the mainstream media. And so, sure, okay, it's Biden's administration. Focus on Biden. Biden is clearly uh, weakened with Bernie at the best. And uh, and to the fact that he looks like he actually won more, way more votes than Donald Trump in 2020 shows that people were willing to vote for a, a weekend with Bernie character rather than what they perceived correctly as a total threat to the even the possibility of resurrecting any possibility of rule of law and possibility of democracy and human rights uh, in the United States of America in relationship to Trump. So you have to do both at the same time, because the thing with the January 6th committee 
is this is now this is still holding to account what the previous president did, which was architect and uh, be the front man for an actual attempt at overthrowing the uh, American government. And that doesn't mean that I'm a defender of the entirety of the American government. And this is very similar in relationship to the Ukraine and Russia or NATO, U.S. Uh, and, and Russia. And this is why this uh, it feels like to me that you have taken a, a veered off course from the truth jihadi pathway, which will fling the truth in the face of any and all tyrants necessary. And the fact that I if, now correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe that either on your podcast nor on False Flag Weekly News that in addition to dealing with the obvious NATO, U.S., CIA involvement in the 2014 uh, Euromaidan aspects, at the very least, it looks like they, um, you know, enticed or promised the uh, like someone like the Svoboda or the right sector that if they delivered 100 dead uh, protester bodies, then they could make a move. So obviously that. But then there's this other piece of this is that Russia has been long term involved in dirty war operations in eastern Ukraine, in South Georgia, but also in domestically in Moscow. They had their own 9-11 before 9-11, Moscow 1999. That's how Putin comes into power as a as a sort of George H.W. Bush or Dick Cheney kind of character who feeds like a political vampire, just like our own political vampires there on the back of his Soloviki, you know, FSB holdover KGB operators who basically blew up hundreds of uh, Russians, blamed it on Chechens and then used it to escalate the power of Putin uh, on the stronghold of the Russian government and then escalate dozens more thousands of casualties in the Second Chechen War against mainly a Muslim population. Mm-hmm. And of course, I've, I have covered that and I have talked about that, but I talked about that a lot more back closer to the time that it happened. And right now, I'm not sure that's relevant because the over, like the upshot of the American 9-11, of course, was a genocide of close to 30 million Muslims worldwide by the people who did 9-11 and uh, a, an attempt to uh, accelerate the global American imperial genocide that killed at least 60 million people worldwide since World War II, according to Chomsky and Voltchek's analysis, and to impose horrific, uh, quote-unquote, liberal values on Islamic lands, which is a cultural genocide, so the, the horror of this Antichrist uh, sparked by the American 9-11, comparing that to the, uh, the destruction of the Zionist American oligarchs who raped Russia after 1990, drove it into a, a 10 years loss of life expectancy for the male population, nearly destroyed it. And so then Russia, I tend to agree with your analysis that probably was a false flag with the apartment bombings, and they did that, and they were able to rebuild their powerful state apparatus, get control of the oligarchs, and bring Russia back to a certain prosperity and dignity. Now, does that mean that I approve of the horrific lie and mass murder uh, in that false flag operation? Of course not. But do I think that the Russian government getting a handle to some extent on their oligarchs and a much better handle now, thanks to this war, uh, that that's not a good thing? It is a good thing because, Jeremy, you know, you and I have different views of so-called democracy versus so-called uh, traditionalist authoritarianism. 
Okay, I, I'm, I follow, in political philosophy, my understanding of Islam lines up more or less with Plato's idea that one always wants the, uh, uh, the, a leader with the most virtue, okay? And you're not going to get that with a democracy. And not only that, uh, the vast majority of people are so much less competent than uh, the, the very competent few that there will never be a democracy, even if you wanted there to be. It's just completely impossible. So what we really have in the United States is an oligarchy pretending to be a democracy. It's ruled by satanic uh, oligarchs because our philosophy of freedom has led them to embrace the freedom of the Marquis de Sade. That's the freedom of the people who rule the United States empire. It's evil. And they want to extend this rule of evil satanic oligarchs throughout the world. That's what neoliberalism and so-called democracy really means. And against that, uh, we, I, I would like to see uh, a system not unlike that in the Islamic Republic of Iran, where the most virtuous person is elevated to supreme leader status against his wishes. Uh, you know he's the most virtuous because he really doesn't want to do it. Uh, and and do we know that 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 Khomeini was the most virtuous because he was backed by the uh, Bush uh, cowboy CIA as an asset and installed in in the Iranian revolution and then given assassination. That's, that's ridiculous. That's not true. All... That's, that's total disinformation, Jeremy. That's ridiculous. But the, the truth is that they were hedging their bets. The Shah was a little bit of a problem. They said, let's hedge our bets with this religious guy. And if somehow he takes over, which he never will, it would just be like another Saudi Arabia. So that's how it worked. And, and Khomeini totally uh, beat them at their chess game. That, and and once he took power, uh, that's all she wrote for the American Empire in Iran. And God okay, bless him. So that's a if that's a fair take that that maybe there's a, a a blowback after the fact in terms of Khomeini. But are you denying that that there was actually CIA lists of the what you'd call the democratic forces, which in this case I imagine you believe needed to be neutered potentially in the rise of the most virtuous so-called leader in that case, that those were supplied by the same CIA that backed the, backed, uh, uh, you know, the previous guy when they well, overthrew I'm pretty, I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure that's bullshit. I've, I've never even heard that allegation before. And if you want to send me your purported evidence, I'll look at it. But based on what you said earlier, which is bullshit, okay. I, I suppose this probably is too. I don't think so. I mean, there, it's obviously that we know here there's a limited hangout cover-up of the October surprise that even people like Barbara Honiger uh, – are involved in, which basically says that the Bush CIA, the people who backed Reagan, who wanted to overthrow uh, Carter, sort of similar kind of contingent actually right now, the rising oil prices, the inflation, the oil cartel making their moves and all of that, right? Um, and then uh, it's obvious that the Bush cartel were uh, involved in taking advantage, right, of the hostage crisis. But there is some documentation that they were involved much more deeply and much earlier. And that is definitely not against their history. They were doing all kinds of things like that. And they saw Khomeini as the perfect uh, bulwark against the uh, then Soviet world. Same M.O. over and over. over No, that's that's actually not not true, Jeremy. They they lost control very, very early in the process. Khomeini got a a little bit of support uh, from both, you know, the French and the French backed by the Americans while he was in Paris. They kind of said, yeah, keep him there. Help, you know, don't stop him from sending his messages on cassette tapes into Iran. It wasn't the CIA that came up with that idea, though. It was just his supporters. He was a real populist leader. He had a lot of tremendous popular support. 
And then once he returned to Iran and embarked on this very principled and very strong-willed uh, and, and kind of impractical in some ways uh, course of, of standing by his guns, even when it wasn't pragmatic, then, of course, he came into very, very strong conflict with the American side. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, sure, there were, there were backroom dealings during the Iraq War, but that doesn't negate the fact that the U.S. Uh, threw about 95% of its support to Saddam and indeed instigated that war, while that 5% of a little bit of support to Iran, which it needed uh, desperately at a certain moment, came through this backroom deal. I mean, the way, you know, the, the way you've characterized it is the disinformation being put out to try to convince left-leaning people that the Islamic Republic is terrible, uh, this nasty theocracy, and it's also uh, criminal and corrupt and blah, 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 blah. Well, it's, that's all just but This not is true. not even talked about in the left. This is covered up all across the entire spectrum. No, it's not. No you one talks about it. It's everywhere. It's, it's, it's all over the left. That the all CIA the, installed Khomeini? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I heard it from Tarpley. I heard it from Honegger. I hear it from here, there, and elsewhere. There's, but there's, there's absolutely no evidence. It's all based on this BS. Uh, the, you know, the Shah. Well, the Shah's paranoid ravings that maybe the CIA wanted to get rid of him. Yeah, well, they sort of. Yeah, they were pressuring him, and then you know this uh, Iran Contra deal. Again, that was a tiny. What, what did Iran get from that Iran Contra deal? Like at. at minuscule fraction of the support that the U.S. is pouring on Saddam Hussein as he was dropping chemical weapons, made in America, made in the West, chemical weapons on civilians in Iran. The U.S. was 100% behind starting that war, winding up Saddam, yes. pointing him towards Iran, Definitely. arming him, funding Definitely. him, and controlling him. Definitely. Part of the, the well-known uh, evil American imperial um, machinations that we both know and both agree that we're against. I mean, it, to sort of reground us, I think we're both anti-imperial. Now, I'm not sure you're anti-good imperial. You, you sort of sound like you actually do believe in an, an imperial order if it were spiritual, if it were the best leader, if it were quote-unquote multipolar rather than unipolar. But I, what I what I thought that we agreed on is that we are anti-imperial and probably pro-permaculture. If we were talking talking about the material, pro-permaculture, yeah. And, but, but Jeremy, what, what does imperial mean? You know, I, it, like the word empire. You know, I, I have a little empire here on my permaculture property, right? Uh, my wife has <laughs> actually said that. Uh, and you know, the local town councilman has a little empire because he's got a bunch of people behind him, and they kind of you know have influence in my town. And then, you know, so I mean, what, you know, typically the word empire is used when there is, as opposed to a nation. Now, the whole modern notion of a nation is very recent and very bizarre. And as Benedict Anderson wrote in his famous book about that, it all amounts to a, like everybody has a different language. You know, 30 miles away from you, the other the people should be speaking a pretty different dialect. And then 100 miles away, a pretty almost in, you know, a different language. That's how things are in a natural state before modern communications. And so capital cities took over huge geographic areas and imposed the language of the upper class of the capital city on everybody through an army of school teachers and created what they called a nation. That's what modern nations are. And an empire is simply a, a term for a political unit that includes people who speak different languages. Well, if you if you don't have any political units uh, consisting of people who speak different languages, then you know barring this horrific process that created the modern nation state, 
you can't have a, a, a you can't have a political unit that's bigger than like a, the size of a village or maybe a county, right? So obviously I'm in favor of empires. Obviously I'm in favor of say Canada where you have French speakers and English speakers and you should also be able to have speakers of other languages as well. So yeah, I'm pro-imperialist in that sense. I I'm absolutely in favor of large political units that include people who speak many different languages. And so that's that's it sounds like that's what you support in relationship to a multipolar approach is uh, an intersection of m- multiple uh, empires of some sort. But I mean, well, nation, else, that, nations that, that, that's are inevitable. not that. What, what else could you ever have, Jeremy? What, what could the world possibly consist of but a whole bunch of empires of the kind I've described? That is a, some, a political unit bigger than a little village where there's people that speak different languages in that unit. And I guess at some level, maybe I don't quite yet. I, I want to admit that I, I had an, a, maybe a, a lack of curiosity or an, an ignorance in relationship to your uh, interest in capital T tradition, traditionalism, and Gunon. I'd, I'd hear you over, you know, the years mention uh, Gunon, but I never really looked into uh, what who he was or what that all meant and so it may be that that uh, that there's a actually deep uh spiritual and maybe philosophical political disagreement uh that we have uh in relationship to that now that may be uh we, maybe i would consider consider that a legitimate uh disagreement as you called this uh, our first disagreement which is not our first disagreement even when i was a co-host with you on false flag weekly news i would regularly uh, express my disagreement with your uh, approach, with your rhetorical approach. Sometimes I pointed out often how I was uh, very concerned about sometimes how you would apparently lapse into what I call reactionary epistemology. This idea of if the mainstream media is lying or the mainstream media, the establishment hates Alex Jones or something like that, then Alex Jones has to be supported or at least he's somewhat of a truth teller. Uh, and all of that. And so we've had those kinds of disagreements. And so maybe we could, uh, you know, bracket the question of the our potential spiritual and political philosophical, philosophical disagreements until I'm well educated enough to actually have them out with you. And maybe we could focus on what I feel like is what I express as beyond a disagreement, because I actually think it's a uh, an abandonment of the truth jihadi path in relationship to you, that the truth I, I thought was sort of uh, foremost, that it was not only a tactic, but it was also a principle uh, in relationship to uh, your core political uh, stance. And so, but yeah, now I'm not sure, Jimmy. actually. Well, why not? Okay. So, but, so then, so then the question then of like, let's say hypothetically, I'm correct about Khomeini and we'll, uh, we'll uh, wait, I'll, I'll give you the, whatever information I have, there's not a lot of information. The, the best article that I've seen is a single article from 1995 titled The Real Iranian Hostage Story from the Files of Farah Mansour by Harry B. Martin. And Farah Mansour is, was a, is an Iranian. He was an Iranian and he moved to the United States and he had uh, intimate knowledge of these, all these uh, networks and scenes. And he was targeted multiple times by uh, Iranian intelligence, it looked like, and where they smashed him up and destroyed his uh, his books 
Um, now, I don't know for sure it was Iranian intelligence, but who else would want to do that, I would say. So, but let's bracket that and let's, let's say we agree to disagree about the actual origins of Khomeini. But let's just say hypothetically, if Khomeini had been brought on the back of the CIA uh, deception operation, now we know, I mean, you say you might believe that the Moscow bombings in 1999 might have been a false flag by the backers of Putin. Now, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's clear. actually very that's very likely. Okay, and so so the, the, the is that a principle then that then disqualifies the, uh, a leader such as Putin uh, in relationship to uh, you know? I, I I would agree with you that obviously as Putin comes in. Basically, they put the deep state back on its feet in Russia. They he outs uh, some some of the uh, Jewish Zionist oligarchs. There's others who are very tight with him. They're much more uh, right wing Chabadniks uh, and other uh, non Jewish oligarchs who have removed place them. But I would agree that that Putin comes in at at least there's some kind of nationalist aspect of Putin where he agrees with uh, making the state powerful making it serve actual the Russian state rather than just being looted by uh, these oligarchs and the Harvard boys and it being siphoned up and up and out. But it's still a deep state that perpetrates false flag terrorism against its own citizens to go kill, go kill Muslims. Now, I understand and I agree with you that the scale is totally different in terms of the level of the wickedness in terms of the of the, uh, you know, the terror war. Uh, Holocaust of dozens of millions around the world in relationship to the 9-11 false flag uh, event. But I think false flag terrorism, and this is something that that we dealt with on the antidote in relationship to what we call deep Ukraine, is that the Achilles heel of quote-unquote both sides behind, uh, you know, those behind Ukraine, which does involve, uh, you know, NATO, the U.S., uh, and and elements that were deeply involved in the 9/11 operation, and especially those covering it up, but also from the Russian side, who have been plotting this invasion for a long time, because Dugin calls it Greater Russia or New Russia, Novo Russia. This sounds exactly like the Odedyanon uh, program or Clean Break or Greater Israel in many ways. Well, and wait a minute, Jeremy. Also, I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And, and here's why. Uh, Ukraine has historically been Russia. I mean, it, it was the original Russia. Kiev was the first city of the Rus, that is the ethnic group that is today the Russians. And so that, they have a thousand year history of most of what's today Ukraine being part of the heart of Russia. And 45% of the population of Ukraine is ethnic Russian, although there aren't that many left because they've been genocided by the Ukrainian speakers and the Nazi Ukrainians that have been built and and run by the CIA ever since World War II. So a thousand years of history, uh, of continuity, really, of what's today Ukraine being part of Russia and indeed the spiritual heartland of Russia versus with Palestine, we have almost a, a millennium and a half of Palestine being the holy land administered by Muslims on behalf of all of the three monotheisms. And so when you have an invasion of Palestine, people coming from across the seas, thousands of miles away, people uh, of a completely radically different culture and ethnicity from the people in that region, and invading that area and committing genocide, 
citing an alleged cultural presence from more than two millennia ago that has absolutely nothing to do with their culture today, this is utter nonsense, whereas there is that continuity in Ukraine. So it is not nearly as outrageous for Dugan, who, by the way, is vastly more radical than Putin, uh, to say that, hey, uh, Ukraine is part of Russia. That's actually not such an unreasonable thing to say, whereas the Zionists claiming that Palestine is the, the land of the Jewish Ubermensch is completely insane and outrageous. Well, I was I'm, I wasn't comparing the that it's the same in terms of uh, geopolitically or morally. I was just saying, doesn't the rhetoric sound the same? And now you now you are basically saying that you believe it's a, a just uh, rhetoric in this case because it's reintegrating the original ethno-religious homeland uh, of the Russia and the the original sort of Russian nation. Is it a Russian nation? Is it a Russian empire? Um, you know, and so there, you know, Dugan does, did call. For, he called for genocide also in Ukraine. He called for no, killing, did, killing, he, killing. No, he, I, don't, I don't believe so. I don't think he did, Jeremy. I, I think uh, Dugan wants simply a, a Ukraine to be reintegrated into Russia, but he doesn't want to expel or do anything unfortunate to the Ukrainian speakers. And unlike the Ukrainian uh, Nazi majority right now in Ukraine, uh, Dugan and the Russian side have absolutely no interest in trying to eradicate Ukrainian speakers. They, they, they are not going to burn all the books in Ukrainian in the way the Ukrainians today are burning all the books of, in Russian and, and killing and expelling the 45% of Ukrainians who speak Russian. The genocide is all coming from the Ukrainian side and none from the Russian side. And that's the unfortunate truth. And as a truth jihadi, you should face that truth. But don't you think there is also an authentic uh, desire for some independence in the, the Ukrainian people uh, in relationship to, uh, you know, not being uh, under the long-term Russian empire and that things, you know, the Soviet empire fell apart. Uh, even during the Soviet empire, there was, you know, even um, uh, Khrushchev, right, was from Ukraine. He, he offered up more independence uh, to Ukraine during the, during the Soviet empire. There was even ethnic cleansing operations under Stalin in relationship to Crimea. And, and, and Crimea was historically a very, very diverse place with uh, even lots of different Armenia, like Armenians and all kinds of different ethnic groups from the, from the area. And under Stalin, there was a, a, an ethnic cleansing campaign that was, uh, that was deployed against Crimea. So this begins to sound like this question of, uh, you know, who... When is it legitimate to undermine a, a people's desire to be able to direct their own national sovereignty? Yeah, but, but see, Jeremy, you're, you're, be... criticize, you're criticizing uh, Dugan and his grandiose philosophical dreams. And what we should really be talking about is the actual reality on the ground geopolitically, because that's where what's, okay, let's you know, do that. what's really happening is, is a NATO war of aggression against Russia through Ukraine. And John Mearsheimer gets it exactly right. And if you have any critique of his analysis, I'd love to hear it. Okay, well, uh, Mearsheimer and Walt uh, debated um, Mike McFall and uh, I think some European Union guy. And I'll admit that the debate reminded me of, of uh, when uh, Michael Hayden, the uh, NSA director on 9-11 and the ultimate CIA director, and who worked for Michael Chertoff, uh, allied with uh, Dershowitz, whose justification for not uh, being properly accused of being an Epstein network, not only legal protector, but also a 
a John of it was that he was wearing his underwear and or he was uh, confused with the original uh, chief technology officer of Microsoft, Nathan Mirvold. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all they very up... I mean, what, what, what does this have to do with Mearsheimer? <laughs> okay. They, they, the two of them, Dershowitz and Hayden, debated Glenn Greenwald, who tends to also be a new kind of patron saint of the of the horseshoe alt-left, alt-right uh, that includes like people, uh, you know, of your co-hosts who celebrate and and Greenwald uh, refused to accuse bad faith against uh, Dershowitz and Hayden in relationship to 9-11 and the surveillance state. And something very similar happened in relationship to the debate between Mearsheimer and Walt, who who I would admit give the best uh, realist uh, criticism of U.S. NATO uh, expansionism uh, operations in relationship to the geopolitics of what they would say boxing uh, Putin in and threatening him. But this is why I think it's important to actually accuse bad faith here in terms of that this is not this is not actually what's driving this. This is not actually Putin and Dugan's reason for this. This, it is much more what you're talking about, that they actually believe in reintegrating uh, a Russian empire of some sort. And that this has been planned for a long time. And this, so this is then what's being missed. That, and that, I would say being covered up. Mearsheimer. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, that's what okay. I'm saying. Mearsheimer and Walt's so you disagree, failure. You disagree with that. that they repeat. They refuse to accuse, uh, 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 you know, the, the Russians of not of actually lying uh, about this, and this because is the also Russians aren't lying because, because they you, you've did got lie. wrong. What, what, no, no, the Russians are obviously are going to do the same defensive thing that the U.S. would do if if Russia were uh, you know had had thirty times our GDP, took over Canada in a coup d'état, installed people who hate and want to exterminate uh, Americans, U.S. Americans in power in in Canada, uh, weaponized the Canadian military with vast piles, you know, more more military hardware than Amer than the U.S. even has, and then pointed those uh, America haters right at our throat. I mean, obviously, the U.S. would, long before they, such a thing would ever happen, the U.S. would defend itself by doing whatever it had to do. And obviously, Russia will do this. You're confusing Dugan with Putin. They're not the same. Dugan is a philosopher. He's off in cloud cuckoo land a lot of the time, uh, and, and some of, you know, I think he's great in a lot of ways and he's kind of messed up in other ways but but he's not running putin putin is a typical great power running statesman and mearsheimer gets it exactly right a great power running statesman with any brains and putin has some in the situation he's in has no choice but to do what he's doing and probably regret that he didn't do it earlier but they've been planning this for a long time and so there's a there's a, a cover-up of the I don't know as a contingency. Of course, the contingency. All, all, Jeremy, all the West had to do is say, yes, we will meet you to discuss and have negotiations about capping NATO expansion, and we will force Ukraine to implement the Minsk Accords. Do those two things, and there's no war. And those two things are the least that the West could and should have done. I'm not saying that NATO and the U.S. and especially the, the neocon actors who like uh, Victoria Newland, for example, and the what we might call the unipolar uh, neocons who were, by the way, against Trump, were not also bad actors in this. Well, no, 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 Jeremy, answer, answer, answer my question here. My question is, do you really believe that Russia would have invaded Ukraine the way it did if the U.S. had had 
had met Russia's demand for negotiations about capping NATO expansion and had forced Ukraine to implement the Minsk Accords. Had that happened, would there or would there not have been a Russian invasion of Ukraine? That's not clear. What I know is clear oh, is that Russia it is was totally no, clear. no, but here this no, no, no. But here's the problem: is there's a whole missing piece of history uh, that is in, that relates to things like covering up eleven nine history. But in this case, there's a whole missing decade in terms of Russian operations to basically take over Ukraine politically via election fraud and via political warfare and via hybrid warfare. And, and to me, it looks like it was the same operation. And sure, then, then it went kinetic. Now, do I know whether the kinetic part of it was always uh, for sure going to happen? And maybe if uh, NATO had made these public uh, you know, uh, agreements to not uh, install NATO official weaponry, let's say, in, uh, uh, in Ukraine, or to make Ukraine a, a NATO member, whether that would have uh, then sufficed. I would say it would not have sufficed as long as a certain amount of Ukrainian people, maybe the majority, wanted to take their own route, maybe an independent route that would be both engaged with Europe uh, and the European Union uh, and uh, a detente in many ways with NATO and, uh, and, and Russia. But what we saw was that Russia was already engaged in taking over Ukraine politically, 2004. Uh, it's not talked about almost no, at yeah, all. That, that, only yeah, Jeremy, that, that's that, I don't think that's true. I mean, I, I think there's been there have been rising tensions between the 45 percent of Ukrainians who speak Russian and are ethnic Russians, and the 55 percent who are Ukrainian and speak uh, or ethnic Ukrainian speak Ukrainian. And those tensions have been fueled bo- by both sides about equally. However, Russia has every right to be meddling a little bit in Ukraine, just like the U.S. is going to be naturally meddling a little bit in Canada, Mexico, and the Caribbean if, if it feels that there's a threat there, whereas the U.S. is, is what, 5,000 miles away? Why is the U.S. meddling in Ukrainian politics? Why shouldn't Russia do what needs to be done to keep Ukraine neutral with the 45% of Russian speakers not being genocided? Why doesn't Russia have the right to do that? Russia does have the right to defend its Russian, uh, you know, its quote unquote, its Russian people. But it's not a good faith. That's not what's going on here. This is a geopolitical operation that's involved that involves empire. Sure, is it not as powerful and not as destructive at this point an empire as the United States had and has been during its unipolar moment? For sure. But this is not, this is a bad faith effort in terms of the Russians. They've been using their own, quote unquote, their own people as cannon fodder to set up this kind of operation. Dugan was on the ground in South Ossetia setting that up for his, for quote unquote, his people to get attacked by the Georgian government. He was on the ground backed by uh, right wing orthodox oligarch Malofiev tied into the highest levels of the Kremlin on the ground in the Donbass. Uh, setting up the so-called republics. That was done by the little green men in Russia. They attacked the election systems there. So it's not like Russia is just trying to defend the uh, the national rights of their people. No, they're using, quote-unquote, their people as cannon fodder, just as elements of the U.S. empire are using the Ukrainians as cannon fodder. Well, that, that's, and a, that's who benefits actually in all that's this a of- function of interpretation. In other words, 
you know, it it really is is a matter of how you look at it. You know, if, if how how would Russia defend the forty five percent of Ukrainians against this U.S. Ukro Nazi genocide without doing what you're describing as using them as cannon fodder? Well, they shouldn't have done. They shouldn't have tried to uh, you know done taken over the Ukrainian government by political warfare. I mean, I like I agree with you if, if let's say the roles were reversed. The best other example we might have in terms of the American uh, a parallel situation would probably be like the Cuban Missile Crisis, I would imagine. Right, right or, but Cuba is Cuba. tiny. You, you, Ukraine is huge. Imagine Cuba like 10,000 times bigger than it is, you know, one third the size of the United States. Imagine the threat but, but that the Americans there, would feel. But was there actually would you would you have evidence that there was actually a, a Ukrainian threat to um, to attack Russia, for example, or destabilize the Russian government and overthrow Putin backed by the by the U.S. No, no, government? no. There, there's, no I'm a, there's not saying that a civil war, a civil war in Ukraine, uh, which the aggressor in that civil war is the Ukro-Nazi element, which has mobilized the 55 percent of Ukrainians who speak Ukrainian against the 45 percent who speak Russian and has been on a genocidal warpath uh, since World War II, actually. And they have reason for it. I mean, let's face it, the Russian, the Soviets uh, did terrible things in Ukraine. There's a reason why there are extreme haters on the Ukrainian side. And those haters are basically genocidal Nazi types. They've been weaponized and funded by the U.S., wound up and set on their genocidal path against the 45% of Ukrainians who speak Russian. The U.S. is the primary creator of that civil war, which is what it is, and Russia has intervened in that civil war trying to defend itself. That's my view of what the truth of this is, and I know we disagree, but that doesn't mean that either of us is insincere or not pursuing the truth. So here we are at the end of the hour. Thank you, Jeremy. We, we should probably come back and do it again. There's so much more to talk about, including the uh, domestic U.S. side of things. Anyway, great catching up with you. And maybe we could uh, talk again, whether in private or on the show. All right. Sounds good. We could do with 11-9, COVID, 1-6, everything like that. Next there you time. go. Okay. Stay tuned for, for the sequel. Thanks, Jeremy. All right. Bye-bye. Good night, Kevin. Good night. That's Jeremy Roth-Cushell, great friend, <laughs> great debating partner. Back in a bit with Jim Fetzer, another friend who's also somebody I don't always agree with. So stick around. <laughs> 